हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब टुडे विद मी आई हैव ईशानी साथे She's been a Kathakar for over 15 years, and she's trained under Pandit Rajendra Gangani ji and Guru Shrimati Radhika Sathe ji. She's she holds the position of head of administration and curation at Kathak Nritya Mandir, and has been the recipient of numerous national awards. Ishani, how are you? I'm doing good. Great to be here. Awesome. Really happy to have you. And I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you is I know that. mentoring and teaching the younger generation is a very important thing for you so could you tell me more about that right um so my teaching experience started quite early in terms of internship i was interning at our own institute where uh, i think i just passed out of my 12th standard i was 17 18 i guess and i used to teach those you know really young tots 6 7 year olds who are just starting into kathak and uh, not just you know pursuing as an art form art form they are too young to understand that um, they are just there to move to dance to tune into the music and you know catch the rhythm that you teach them so my experiences were pretty amazing starting with children and um, one after the other i started taking up bigger roles um sometimes teaching in my institute sometimes uh tutoring other dancers in a dance company where i was made uh, a rehearsal head uh so with the younger generation especially when i say younger generation i mean um people teenagers or a little older than elder than that uh it's very interesting because in today's day and world they are exposed to so much they are exposed to different music different clothes cultures fashion entertainment to on such different levels and still having them interested in kathak to teach them the intricacies of rhythm of movement to teach them a grammar which has come from i don't know hundreds and thousands of years back till today and has been developed till today to teach them all of this with a fresh approach with an attitude which is similar to theirs um i think it has been incredible especially with the number of young talents that you can see on the platform nowadays okay so to follow up on that in terms of your experiences with teaching what do you feel has worked to make kathak attractive to the younger generation I think um Kathak has a lot of segments. Kathak has a very percussion influence. It has tabla, it has pakhavaj. Um melody wise or abhinaya wise it has uh such humongous amounts of poetry. Uh you have crores and crores of bandishes to dance on. You have thousands of you know poets uh thousands of their literary works. to work with and uh, introducing these things to the younger generation especially you know with maximum uh, number of children today who come out of convents to get them interested in hindi to get them interested in sanskrit 
shlokas or mirabai poetry or santasurdas poetry what i've realized down the line is if you try to teach them textbook they are going to get bored with it because they are not familiar with the concepts so once you start teaching them uh, abhinaya or once you start teaching them tal in terms of mathematics or in terms of emotions that they can reference with uh, they get really interested and when they find a reference point that oh um, if this is of 16 matras and if i finish one palta on 11th which means i can just do this three times and come down to the sum in a teen tal when you teach them this sine wave when you teach them this mathematics they get really interested and it's amazing to see how much they can create individually um with their own creativity and with their own freedom of expression these days okay and yeah thank you for telling us about how you get them to be, be more interested and you know get more people to follow kathak and okay. like when it comes to you was it how was it like you to absorb kathak throughout your as you were growing up and training I think because uh, my mother is a, a dancer she was a kathak exponent since before i was born so i think since the time i was a baby i have seen kathak classes i i was training all all the while because i loved dancing i loved kathak especially um, despite of trying other dance forms i tried my hand at contemporary i tried my hand at salsa um i did a tit tit bits little bit here in their workshops of odyssey and bharatnatyam which speak i used to arrange back when i was in college um but there was something that keep kept me rooted to kathak so earlier it was my mother's training uh, then it was guruji pandit rajendra gangani ji that i started training with and um, i think what really attracted me was i remember my first day in my i did my bachelor's in computer science and my first day in the college i was sitting in this crowd uh during the orientation and i kept on thinking this is not what i want to do i mean i chose this i chose academics but my heart is somewhere else and i don't know where that heart lies and the next time i went to a rehearsal studio i felt so elated i felt like this is the best i can do in life if i can be best at something it is probably kathak so in those graduation years when i started exploring a little more i started going to guruji to kathakendra delhi uh, a little more i started exploring dance companies i started finding myself in the dance i started finding the best of me uh, coming out during rehearsals or backstage or on the stage um or just reading through books and really understanding that oh this is such an amazing concept of how one matra can be divided into 16 pieces and how differently it can be explored this is almost like mathematics um so i found myself really in this dance form and uh, around the age of 23 24 i think i decided to do this professionally when i could see that i could be some good in this so yeah finding myself finding the best version of myself throughout all these years and improving on it is what kathak was all about for me yeah i like what you said about finding the best version of yourself and you mentioned books uh, so uh, what uh, so i guess i i i right now i've just been reading saram rally ji's book which is a guru's journey which he details the life of pandit chitesh das ji it's my favorite okay. kathak book 
I've only read two. But uh, what 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 is your favorite? What are the books in Kathak that you would recommend others to read? I think there are tons. Unfortunately, a lot of these are in Hindi. Um, that is a big obstacle for a lot of dancers today. But I would definitely say that Hindi is not that difficult a language to learn. So. i am a, i i was in mount carmel high school we were convent bred children although my second language was hindi um but i it it used to be very excruciatingly boring for me to go through you know traditional grammar of hindi language but uh, what i realized was once i got past that because i was giving examinations and for examinations you need to read a lot of books textbooks per se So once I got past that barrier, I had this whole encyclopedia of books. So my favorite book till date um, would be Kathak Nyaneshwari, which is written by uh, Tirthram uh, Azadji, and uh, that is like the encyclopedia of Kathak. That has history, that has gharanas, that has contemporary Kathak, that has a huge encyclopedia of tales and currents. basically you can consider that as the kathak natyashastra you know so kathak nyaneshwari is something which you should definitely go to if you want to get that book it is generally uh, in stock for very less amount of time but you can just go to sangeet natak academy website or if you have somebody in delhi you can just ask them to visit sangeet natak academy and order your book from there they ship it i think worldwide from there other book is um, kathak darpan which is i think again by the same author for beginners i would say there is um, kathak nritya shiksha uh, by the same author that is a book in hindi i think which has also been translated to english now so kathak nritya shiksha part 1 part 2 would give you all the basic terminologies of kathak the definitions the tals what is kasak masak what is a gatbhav what is a gatnikas um what is a thaat what is a traditional amad um so basic textbook would be nritya shiksha then um i think kapila vatsyan ji has uh, now this book is not re- really around kathak kathak per se but uh, kapila vatsyan ji if you just you know google her or find her on amazon she has a bunch of books around indian classical dance forms uh one is called the square and circle of indian arts i think that is the title it's it is called the square and circle of indian arts or indian dance i think um that book revolves around how geometry was inculcated in indian sculpture indian painting um indian swara structures the swaras on which ragas are based how they are formed as per a geometry how were tals in kathak or in indian classical formed as per a certain geometry of spheres and triangles and all of that that's the book i'm recently reading so these are some of my bunch of favorite books that's amazing that you're still reading ahani that's um, glad to hear that and uh, i guess that that brings me to my next question since um, since you've grown up doing kathak in your teaching now how have you seen the guru shishya parampara evolve over the years um i think i i can call myself lucky when i say that i have seen very different dimensions of it um my mother used to learn from late uh, guru madhurita sarang ji who was in bombay 
and she used to learn she graduated from kathakendra delhi and she used to learn from kundanlal gangani ji uh, sundar prasad ji uh, and uh, maharaj ji all three names and so she's learned lucknow and jaipur both so she used to i remember her experiences of whatever i can hear from my mother she's she's written letters to my mother so i have seen her version of the guru shishya parampara where you could just go to your guru's house or go to your guru's institute sit there for 14 hours a day cook with your guru um sit at the feet of your guru as he lectures other students do your own classes do your own riyas in the same house and imbibe the spirit of uh, that whole lineage that your guru brings along with um himself or herself that was one version other one was how my mother learned from didi so my hometown is akola and my mother used to keep in visiting didi who lived in bombay uh, but the amount of knowledge that didi could give every time my mother went there my mother used to live with didi again because she was going for such small pants pants um didi used to say ki tum ghar pe aa jao yahi pe you know whatever day in day out she used to teach my mom that was another way uh the third wave was my generation um, for whom it is practically impossible to find a month and uh live at a guru's place um so when i was when i started taking up kathak a little seriously uh, guru ji rajendra kangani ji he had come down to akola for an event and he said that uh, he told my mother my parents that i think you should send her to delhi now that's the place where she should train and uh, don't worry about her safety security whatever number of days you send her she'll stay with me i'll pick her up from the airport i'll drop her to the airport and she'll be safe and sound and uh, nobody believes this when i say this because this is the rajendra gangani ji he's a world class performer today and uh, he's kept his word through all these years um, i started going to delhi to learn under him i used to stay with him um i i have literally woken up around 5 because he wakes up around 5 4:45 5 a.m and he does his riyas and um, me and a bunch of other students used to sit and piche hum log taal lagate the and guruji used to do his riyas for an hour or so and the whole day of classes and reha- watching rehearsals watching events with guruji so that was a very different experience for me you know we live in such sophisticated households with our own rooms and our space and our freedom and uh, when you live in a guru ghar uh, wahan ke kuch rules hote hain wahan ke kuch kanoon niyam kanoon hote hain which was very a beautiful conditioning for me as an artist to absorb the gharana um uh, you know that is guruji and uh, that is my my story of guru shishya parampara where i am a completely dedicated disciple to my gurus uh, their journey is my journey my journey is just a small stream that comes out of their path and um, i've also seen guru shishya parampara now which is uh, a little little more different than that we have very few students who dedicatedly learn from one guru nowadays uh, we are fortunate to have students who have been with us for 20 25 years now with my mother um, but that's another uh, you know forum of guru shishya parampara i think which new dancers are exploring and they are trying to make uh, the best out of it so for me it's, it's very fascinating how we have 
translated the guru shishya parampara which which was earlier just a mukhat parampara um ki kathak ya kisi bhi sangeet ka gyan jo tha that used to be oral tradition it was never written down it was never uh, given with an examination it was just mouth to mouth so because it was mouth to mouth it was the student had to train so well with the guru for so many years that the student had to be made that you know that compatible to uh, take it ahead to the to the future generations and uh, it's interesting to see how we have transformed it through decades and years and generations so far understood and so now that you've been exposed to this rigorous guruship parampara system and you have your own teaching practices so mm-hmm. what aspects of that are you able to bring into your teaching practice and what are the things you had to adapt over the years i think one um, quintessential uh, fundamental aspect of this art form that i really took from my gurus both my gurus in that case was they taught me what i did not have to do or what or what i did not want to venture into so doing something like kathak that too in maharashtra which is so bollywood dominated i i started working in bombay which is all about glam and glitz of bollywood it is very easy to set into a commercial attitude for kathak it is very easy to do things in kathak which will not keep your art form very pure and fundamental um the basic the fundamental knowledge or approach that i gained from both my gurus was how to keep the purity the grammar the syntax of your art form as it is but still explore it with new dimensions you know you you can read a book with 10 different angles to it you can read one same story and bring out 10 different characters or 10 different shades of characters in the same book that is what my gurus taught me and i think that is what um is the biggest gain um i have from this field uh, which i try to pass on to my students that in order to make yourself popular as an artist in order to have maximum number of people know and like your art form you don't necessarily need to dilute it or mold it into the current trends and uh the way people would want to see it you can still keep it as pure and you can still keep it make it contemporary kathak contemporary something new that you you're doing today as per today uh that does not mean you have to change the basics of it so this this particular teaching i think it has helped me take the biggest and the smallest decisions of my life they've shaped me into how i shape the future generation also what what do you say your brand of kathak is about so very early on i think i was when i thought of taking this up professionally i was a little confused as to what what do i mean what do i really want to do in kathak i had this question very early in my life and i was very confused so i just went to delhi and i was with guruji for 10 15 days and i somehow could not form a sentence and ask guruji ki guruji this is a confusion what what am i in this there are 150 dancers there are 100 million dancers maybe why why would i make any difference in this 
and um, i i just could not say this out loud so on the last day somehow i think it, a guru is always sense whenever there is something wrong with you or whenever there's something that you have going in your head so uh, he told me that um, now your graduation is done you are uh, you've trained enough um, i'm sure now you're thinking what to do ahead as a career as a source of income also so just know that you have the capacity in you to be a torch bearer for your mother's lineage to be taking the path that i follow ahead and to also create something for yourself something which is uniquely you so now it is up to you to find your own unique way in which all these three streams can flourish in one line and uh, that was like my eureka moment because that opened up a line of thought that opened up so many possibilities for me where i had the assurance that i could do something good i can take my guru's lineage ahead so when i see about my work i i definitely want um knm which is kathak nritya mandir which is my mother's institution um we have stood for pure kathak education and training for so many years uh, that brand stands for the basic aesthetics of jaipur gharana of kathak today and we wish to take that ahead in the best possible manner training the maximum number of students in the best possible way ahead uh, that is one goal of my life definitely the other is definitely self explorations like none of my gurus were ever into digital media explorations and i when i ventured into it it was a new field 3 4 years back uh but i think i found my ground in creating works in kathak which were meant for camera creating works in kathak which said a story in my own language in the way i want to emote or the thoughts i have i would like to put them out using camera using 3d using 4d um using technology uh so i think my fundamentals in different avenues we have today would be my life's work hopefully that's awesome and that gets a lot of things to dig into i just want to start off with the jaipur gharana and i i wanted to ask you for you what are what is the jaipur gharana about and what what are the what are some of the misconceptions people have about it that you can clear for us um jaipur gharana of kathak is one of the three gharanas of that we know uh, we nowadays consider a fourth gharana which is a raigad gharana of kathak also jaipur was originated in the temples um in rajasthan and because of influence of um prayers or because of being in surroundings of a temple it it has an essence of devotion very strongly ingrained in it uh while that is true there is also a very you know that rajputi mewadi shan ka ek jo essence hota hai a warrior like spirit that is also there which is why jaipur gharana is also considered to be very strong and powerful we have very powerful bandishes because there's a huge influence of pakhavaj um in jaipur gharana um so i feel 
the gharana is drenched in the soil of rajasthani flavors it is uh, it comes from the land of mirabai it is devotion it is sansurdas ji it um, it is pakhavaj it is strong it is uh, forceful it is the warrior like spirit of the rajputs of the mewars it is the rich cultural essence rajasthan is or was like the royal courts the royal um, families the land of the royal families you still have these huge humongously huge beautiful forts in rajasthan and uh, that spirit again is there in the costumes of the gharana in the way abhinaya is explored very rich very rich uh, texture to the whole uh, language and meter of the gharana that is what attracted me most the beautiful the delicate soft side of it and the powerful very strong side of it too um a lot of misconceptions also hold today where people feel that jaipur gharana dancers only dance footwork um ya only hazar chakkar le liye matlab ye to jaipur gharana dancer hoga um the reason i think that conception has been built for so long is because earlier those were the gimmicks which people held on to because we had a lot of powerful male dancers or because our training was very much strength oriented so people only could catch the uh, fast or the speedy parts um and they somehow did not notice that there is also a lot of bhajans there are also lots of drupads and uh, shiva uh, bandishes that are danced durga parans that are danced so i think there is this one very big misconception ki bhav ki cheeze jaipur gharane mein nahi hoti but uh, if you see my guruji if you see his ancestors of the gharana they have written beautiful poetry uh, my guruji writes by the pen name of rasaraj beautiful thumris beautiful bhajans beautiful pads um especially you know the gorband and the ghumar uh, folk dances of uh, rajasthan which are so graceful so colorful that essence is also captured in kathak um kathak jaipur gharana um so i think that is one misconception uh, that people have and they somehow not did not see the other good parts of jaipur more um other than that um, i i heard somebody say very recently that it is surprising to see so many female female dancers in jaipur and that surprised me quite a bit because uh, so many extraordinary female kathak dancers have been part of this gharana um i think you um you yourself have interviewed somebody from jaipur um you just open instagram and you see so many female dancers but somehow the notion that people catch on to is that jaipur is a male dominated field <laughs> which which i think is a is the biggest misconception Uh, right i did have rashna ramya ji on my podcast and kind of she yeah. kind of started when both of them were around the same age so she had very extensive training under him as well yeah. uh, sharmila sharma ji actually started out with uh, rajendra kangani ji for the first 14 15 years so yeah, yeah. met a lot of them so that's 
and thank you for uh, yeah thank you for explaining that having a perspective of someone who's in the gharana is very much different than reading it from a textbook or just yeah, hearing one or two lines from someone yeah. uh, so that gets me to my next thing we talked about you said that a lot you talked about emoting and you know showing your thoughts to the world and on the camera i guess want to come and touch a little bit upon social media cuz one of the, uh, i've noticed that you have a large following on social media and that way you're able to spread your message across to a lot of people so what were the steps that went into building that following and getting that platform right um i think you're very generous and kind to say i have a large following i have a very small following thankfully there are a lot of other classical artists today who have 75k 100k followers which is amazing to see um my journey with instagram i think did not really start intentionally i was i think i did uh, a small challenge with this company called indian raga and um that was that was on youtube and somehow that we stood second in that challenge and that video garnered a million views in hardly a couple of days or i think two months and uh, suddenly i had messages pouring over my little instagram account because people searched me on facebook and instagram and started contacting me and at that time i had a private account and uh, the number of dms that kept on pouring in where i felt like people are interested to see what more i can do other than that one video um that led me to starting you know a public account on instagram and i started posting small tidbits of riyas or some shows some pictures and i think it was easy to film when you are in a rehearsal studio or when you've just finished your riyas it was just easy to film for me um so i started doing that and that somehow became my usp people loved seeing my simple videos shot with a simple mobile in a normal studio and a lot of contemporary dancers we started conversing some which were in london some which were in usa and that became a amazing platform to see what others were doing um and put out your own bandishes put out your own methodologies in kathak and uh, slowly slowly i started working more with indian raga slowly i started understanding how social media works and i started creating content out of my own pure art form uh that would uh be more you know receptive to people or they could connect with my dance more even if they did not understand kathak kathak they got interested over whatever i was posting um and it was a patient journey i had to be very patient throughout the whole process because you know it happens the uh, a piece of art which you think will be the best gets does not uh, get much recognition but a small video you put and suddenly that has 30000 views so <laughs> took me a while to understand how the dynamics of instagram and facebook and youtube work and i loved working around the camera i loved putting forth art um for a screen creating content for a screen and that's why it was more enjoyable to create a platform to have a handle and to have people connect with you over there 
Okay. Yeah, Shan, you mentioned something very interesting. So, which was? Uh, can you tell me about this piece of art that you, which in your, which you consider the best and didn't get enough views? Could you tell me which one was that and what did you do in this one? Right. So uh, there was this. I did my first fellowship with Indian Raga was I think in San Diego, and I did this beautiful piece called um, Maharare. So Maharare Giridhar Gopal is a Mira Bhai Mira Bhai's bhajan. and uh, indian raga music fellows had already created a very beautiful track musical track and two kathak dancers included which was my production so me another kathak dancer one bharatnatyam and one odyssey dancer we thought of doing something with this production and it came out beautifully um the choreography was so beautiful when we met together we lived in four different cities across two countries so when we actually came down together the rehearsal hall was it felt amazing to dance together and feel like this beautiful soft paced music playing us dancing to it we went for our tech rehearsals and the the directors were happy we had four cameras pointing towards us um i could have whatever angle i want i could have whatever zoom in zoom out shades color shades hues that i want so we did all of that uh we did post production and i was so excited because i felt like three pure art forms creating something so magical over over a screen with four different camera angles and such amazing editing i thought this was people would love to see this right and um, the, the views for that for really lukewarm i guess because it was slow paced um people did not receive it that well my contemporaries really appreciated it and people who were dancers came back saying that it's amazing but it did not garner so many views and somehow in the meantime i did another small uh dance video with one of my students and that was crossing 70k views in a day um so that was sort of a bummer for me that you know something which i had thought would be so beautiful was somehow not received that well <laughs> yeah that is really strange as to what gets received well and what it doesn't yeah so when it comes to that ishani when you know you want to create there's the content you want to create and may not get views and now you have an idea of what works well and might get more views how do you balance those two thoughts in your head honestly what i have learned so far is i whatever approach i first have to decide what is the final outcome i want out of a particular piece if if i'm creating a piece with an intention of just exploring it because i have this in depth urge within me to create something to explore some idea some music some poetry i just do it then i've learned to do it with just that intention i'll try my level best to make it reach the maximum number of people i have learned different methods and methodologies with which um you know i can market it well or i can make it popular um but i don't keep the expectation of it to have maximum views if it if it happens if it hap- it it happens for example i did a production called shakti um which has become a controversial topic now i'll i'll not get into that for now for this question 
um so i i did that production not thinking about views in my mind uh it was one of the earliest pieces my mother had composed um the music was composed by my mom um and this was around i think 15 years back and the tune was stuck in my head and i wanted to explore that on a bigger screen so i created this production we collaborated with artists from three four countries and um i made that and that video did amazingly well around navratris i think it went across 1 lakh views and it was so popular the even this this was last navratri even this navratri i can see at least 100 people dancing or creating videos to do that song thankfully they like it so with that my intention was just creating something very beautiful and very pure i had kept my commercial outlook away but at the same time i have also done whenever i felt that i need to take my work to maximum audiences then i kept that as a marker um and i created content that would be connecting to a lot of people you know those statistics were in my mind when i created that piece but then i did not intermix it with my emotions and my explorations i kept those two things very separate that's what i've learned so far okay awesome so what i'm hearing is that you just manage your expectations beforehand so that you don't get caught off guard at the absolutely. end absolutely absolutely okay. awesome and uh, one thing i wanted to ask you are uh, in terms of say you talk you if you spoken about keep, you know having a pure kathak art form but i'm if you've delved into like say collaborations and fusions could you tell us a little bit about the ones that you've enjoyed the most over the years definitely definitely i think um there was this um show called rasraj as i just mentioned my guruji gangani ji he writes by the pen name of rasraj so our um me my mom and um two more of guruji students we thought of collaborating in on a project um that would you know record and present a few of guruji's masterpieces so we collaborated over this financially we collaborated over this in terms of uh, artistic point of view we had guruji's blessings with us so we recorded seven masterpieces of guruji's and uh, we did this show called rasaraj and we presented those seven most amazing beautiful compositions with guruji sitting in front of us and uh, that was my i think very first commercial collaboration which i had done in which we had investors in which we had uh, a big show at the end of it in which we had to see how recording goes and uh, for me it was special because guruji was the person involved in here and he had given us permission to record his masterpieces and uh, he came down for two days for the recording of the tracks because his voice uh, was there in the tracks for the padant and how he worked with percussionists how he worked with sarangi artists it was not like the tune was kept exactly same while recording um he used to sit there during the recordings and tell ki uh, you know sarangi thodi na is jagah pe do avartan aise le lena ya yahan pe na put put a pakhavaj entry like this instead of like this and then the artists who had come in the um, 
the ones playing the instruments the percussionists they they put in their own soul and thought into it and reciprocated to guruji's concept so that was one of the most amazing collaborations for me where i could see guruji's masterpieces being recreated in front of my own eyes and uh, later i understood the science of mixing sound mixing uh, where all these layers and layers and layers of music or different instruments vocals are put forth in at different levels and mixed together and then we did the final show um in which i had these two senior dancers of guruji presenting with me and we did choreographies just for that show by guruji um that taught me a lot on how really your guru works even when it comes to commercial productions or commercial shows how should the outlook be how should the purity of creating something um be guided and guarded while still making a commercial success i think that by far was the most amazing collaboration i've had yeah and yeah thank you for sharing that and that brings me to my next topic about live music since in kathak a kathakar is almost like you know made or made or broken by the people who perform, who are performing the music on during the performance so yeah. when it comes to that relationship building a relationship between you and your musicians how do you go about them and how do you make sure that they get the recognition they deserve on stage um i would honestly say here that accompanying artists are very underrated um they they literally are i would say 60% of what we look like on stage um i think and relationships with fellow artists are um, are very natural the give and take that you see on stage between a tabla player and a kathak dancer that that seamlessly flows you can rehearse it for as many times as you want but you need to give it some time and space for that chemistry to build you need you need some time for the harmonium player or for the sarangi player to to have a give and take with the tabla artist because on stage everybody is taking care of everybody if the sitar goes off the tabla player needs to cover up that person a little bit if the kathakar is a little off or is a little tired the people on the side the tabla player the sarangi player the singer they need to take care of the dancer it's an absolute uh you know a chemistry a give and take between all these people and the more you the more i have worked with new artists the more i have had the fortune to work with even people who have worked in this field for 40 50 years even they go about very patiently with a young dancer or a senior dancer they put an equal amounts of effort and love into this that was a very big lesson for me that it cannot be just like a relationship formal relationship you have with a normal office colleague you need to really have a give and take of energy with these artists and um, following the footsteps of my gurus um before the show after the show we make sure that all the artists come on stage um we bow down together we hold hands we take a bow together uh 
actually in at knm we have had this uh, tradition ki jab uh, bhumi poojan hota hai before every show you have a bhumi poojan um and the nariyal wo jo fodte hai nariyal the prashad which is uh, basically given to the gods that is given by our tabla artist his uh, name is manish hudekar and uh, for years he has done the honors of that particular ritual because uh, we feel like he is our strength when we are on stage so that honor he is always given uh, not a show has gone by where their names were not mentioned with their entire bios um even if the organizers fail to mention it i have seen my gurus mention it themselves in the middle of a show sometimes if their bios were not read out uh, through and through um as i said shakti has been a bit of a controversy recently because i see so many people using the music track and not tagging or not mentioning the artists um even there my only concern is always that people know because they see me in the video so people know i have done the music production for this but there are five other artists involved in this if you don't tag them you're taking away their recognition um so unless me as an artist i stand up for it every single time their name is missed um it will be unfair to their work and we won't deserve dancing to their work then so mentioning their name mentioning their profiles their bios uh with just as much importance and attention um that is i think essential very essential Awesome. Uh, I love what you said about not being deserving to dance to their music. That's really profound. And you talked about uh, everyone supports everyone or take takes care of everyone on stage. Would you be comfortable sharing an anecdote where you were taken care of or you took care of someone on stage that stands out to you? I think I have a very vivid memory um, of this thing. Okay. I think two two um, two experiences I would have. one was um, i was working with a dance company and um, it was five of us girls it was a dance drama so we had a bit of dialogues all of us and um, the girl to my left uh, i could see that the dancer she seemed a little off while while once one particular dance piece and this was a very high energy production where we were doing seven costume changes in 45 minutes and uh, very high energy performance where we were also saying re- reciting dialogues and dancing and then really dancing our bodies out at the end of it so in the last 15 minutes i could see that the girl to my left she was not very comfortable on stage you know you can sense somebody's body language next to you if you really are connected to them on stage and um, in our last bit each of us had like a big paragraph and um, i could see that she was not feeling well that she might not be able to say it as loudly as was needed um so what i did was thankfully my dialogues were before her and in in our dance in that dance company it was a rule that whether or not it is your dialogue you need to learn the entire script of the piece whether or not the dialogue is 10 sentences after or before you you should learn the whole script by heart So what I did was I just started with five of her lines, and then I looked at her, 
uh, waiting for her to start. And when she did not start, she just naturally reacted as if she was just reacting and she was not supposed to say the lines. And I just finished her all, all of her lines, knowing that she might not be able to be in this physical state to say them out loud. Um, and then we continued as if nothing had happened. And at the end of the show, um, my director, they called he called both of us and he said that um, I could see what you girls did for each other. And this is, this is why we have, this is what we call teamwork, where you could sense that something was wrong with her and without any disturbance, uh, you could take care of the situation. And the other situation would be um, so I was down with pneumonia for almost a month and a half and I was very weak and I had to perform uh, in four days. I had rehearsed, I was decently prepared, but I knew that somewhere my energy was going to lack. The same uh, tabla artist that I told you earlier about, uh, Manish Sada, so he, every time he sensed after a piece that I seem a little tired or my energy seems to be falling a little bit, he used to impromptu, do an impromptu piece of his own. Um, after two times after that, when he did that, the Sarangi player by the sitting beside him did an impromptu piece to give me more time to, you know, catch my breath and then start with the next piece. And I could do that show only because I got those breathing spaces without even having to say a word as if it was naturally meant to be like that. Um, and this is very natural. I mean, I've seen such amazing artists doing amazing things for each other on stage. Oh, yes. Thank you for sharing that anecdote. I think that's just something that you can only get for someone who's really into the art. Appreciate that. Um, and so say when I, I assume that you get a lot of requests for collaborations and people wanting you to perform with them. So what are the things you look for when you're saying yes to someone? Or what are the things that you would want your collaborator to have? Um, I think two things really matter to me the most, or rather only two things that I look for whenever a collaboration happens. One is the intent. Um, I can never be confused about the collaborator's intent behind doing a certain piece or behind doing a certain collaboration. If, uh, if I cannot see the virtue very clearly, I, I'm, I'm very straightforward. I just ask um, that why the series or why this interview or why this video, why this music production? Why, why do you want to do this piece? A, why do you want me to be a part of this? As long as I can believe and see that the intent is clear and something I'm okay with, um, I'm, I, I will surpass any, you know, money uh, proportions of revenue. I, I don't really look at any of those things. The other thing is um, how credible the artist is not in terms of good or bad, but just how true the brand is or how true the artist is to his or her own lineage. It could be somebody who believes in very different aspects of Kathak or uh, Bharatnatyam or Salsa even. Um, but if I see that the artist or the company or the brand is very pure and focused, devoted to their own ethics and their own fundamentals, 
um, I love I love working with such brands because I think that is what my brand stands for too. So those are the only two things that I really look into for a collaboration. Understood. And say when you're say uh, you're performing for an event and now you're instead of talking to artists, you're talking to organizers. Mm-hmm. What are the places and kind of people you like to perform for? Or what are the things you're looking for when you're talking about a performance at an event? Uh, right. I have always kind of kept away from doing commercial shows because um, I feel that the treatment the art gets in commercial platforms or in extremely commercial setups uh, is not something I'm very comfortable with. So when it comes to organizations, I always do a background check um, around the people I'm dealing with, whether it's the PR team or the brand or the company in general or the organization in general. I'm very curious about where they have placed my piece, whether it's while having dinner, that's not something I would want to do. If it is in the middle of a rock band performance, again, which is not something that I want to do. What I do is I write down points in my contract, which I'm very particular about. And once with thankfully with years of experience, I know to cross check five or six things. So one is that one is um, why, why did they select me? What exactly, what is it that I will be performing? Those cards are only with me. I, I never let organizations who call me decide what I should perform. I, I can take up a theme from them that they want this theme. If I'm okay with it, I do it. But I need to be careful about what I would be presenting. How long will it be? Um, how are my other artists going to be treated throughout the whole venture? So uh, these are some things I think all of us need to be sure about on paper, especially when you talk about organizations or bigger bodies who hire you for uh, performances and stuff. I always believe in signing contracts or having a written agreement around these things. That's awesome. Um, thanks for cl- clearly laying out what are, the, what are your boundaries and conditions. I think that'll help a lot of people when they discover when they are kind of discovering their own boundaries okay, and what right. wanted to come to back to you talked about like being in front of the camera and emotions and thoughts so when it comes to being in front of a camera when i see your work now you seem very comfortable but have you always been like that or is that something you developed over the years and how did that happen i think uh, I, I i don't think i was ever conscious i mean now that you asked me that question, even when I look back to my earliest um, video productions, I don't think I was, uh, I ever felt conscious. Yeah, uh, sometimes I get distracted with the camera where, uh, because you know, with cameras you're restricted, there are markings done, there are some particular angles sometimes around which the camera is rolling. So I tend to get a little distracted, but uh, you know, my, my, my father was a photographer. He is a photographer. Photography is his dearest hobby. So I think maybe that has helped because he has clicked a gazillion pictures of me since I was a toddler. Um, so maybe somehow psychologically that experience of being in front of a camera has helped throughout these years. Um, but I definitely loved exploring. And um, my 
I love editing. I love editing work. I love mixing sound. I love editing sound. My brother is also a sound engineer. He has his own company. So I think because I'm more interested, also interested rather in post-production and I know the process of editing and how the final output is actually going to look on the screen, um, I think I react accordingly when I'm on camera. So it becomes like a very interesting game for me to be able to emote something and then see how it translates onto a camera. So I've actually had a lot of fun um, during shoots. It's very interesting that you said you love editing the, because uh, <laughs> that's the most cumbersome part of running a podcast for me is to find the clips and edit all the ums <laughs> and ahs. So right. So right. for that. And you mentioned... You mentioned one word when when you were talking about what you wanted to portray and one was emotion. And I do see a lot of your pieces center very, like at least the ones on Instagram that I've seen centered around emotion. So what are the emotions you love portraying and playing around with? I think exploring emotions is again something which um, I have ventured into in the last two, three years. I was not very comfortable with Abhinaya before. Um, somehow in the last, maybe it develops with a little bit of maturity and experience, I guess. Um, but the pieces which I think my, the predominant uh, emotion that I really am comfortable in or which I, I love exploring the shades of it um, is bhakti. I love reading, um, you know, those love-drenched or love-soaked um poetry which is around devotion, uh, Meera's devotion for Krishna, uh, Rukmini's devotion for Krishna, Sita's devotion for Ram, or even vice versa, Ram's devotion for Sita. I have read um, so many books around these characters. Um, and what has always touched me deeply is how devoted a person can be towards other human being or to a cause or to a deity. And I think I, I have explored different shades of it and I love exploring the emotion of Shringar and Bhakti or Bhakti and Karun. Um, those mixtures, those Sanchari Bhavas are uh, something which at least currently I'm having an amazing time exploring, whether it comes to poetry, emotion and poetry or emotion while dancing or emotion while speaking even sometimes. Okay, and so that brings me to, that is something you're exploring. And when it comes to Kathak globally uh, in India, around the world, what are the things you found that people are discussing right now, which are most pertinent in your opinion? I think people are discussing the use of body today. Um, also because you know, Kathak has, is such a free art form. We don't have, you know, these designated 108 mudras that you cannot create any vocabulary outside of those mudras. That, that's not the case with Kathak because of so many influences of different kinds on this art form. I think we have explored our bodies, every gharana, I would say every guru has explored his or her own patterns of movement. And I can see a lot of dancers today speaking about the movement of Kathak, which 
can be so graceful our thoughts are so graceful and all of it is bodily movement going parallel with the rhythm or going parallel with the mood of a tal so how can this syntax of dance or of kathak rather be explored how to use your bodies more in the most subtle manner creating the most mag- magnanimous impacts uh, i can see a lot of explorations in in that field um, i can see dancers in uk doing some amazing work with it um, i've even seen literature being very interestingly used today uh, it could be english literature it could be sanskrit uh, shlokas which are used in with techno music or which are used with just uh, a sitar in the background and the dancer does like a fantastic job um, at giving people the meaning people who don't understand sanskrit will also understand the meaning of that shloka just because the the emoting is so beautifully done uh so these two things i think are discussed and explored being explored globally today and uh, it is very interesting to see especially in times of corona where everything is happening virtually now uh, we get to see so much and it's amazing to see this i see and could you tell us a little bit about when it comes to riyas what are your rituals like and what is it like for you to do that practice i think um so since i was very young i could see my mom um my mom used to wake us both me and my brother my brother is also a classical singer so uh, she used to wake us up around 5 o'clock and we used to do our riyas till 6 6:30 and then get ready for school and go go to school so riyas has been a part of the daily routine i think since i was a child so not doing riyas seems like the the day feels incomplete uh, if i don't do riyas a particular day and uh, when it comes to routines i think my first 15 20 minutes it has to be warm up uh, not just footwork uh, hastaks chakkars uh, lekari all these four aspects need to be covered uh, in the first 20 25 minutes once my body has warmed up nicely after the half an hour then i can start sometimes i i just explore whatever new i'm learning that month that week um sometimes i revisit old bandishes um sometimes i just take a new abhinaya song and do some explorations in it um for as much as time that i have um but i make sure that at least every day i do at least one composition uh, which is a revision something that i might have learned four years six years back and which i might not have performed even once on stage but whatever i have learned um, i i have everything written down and i make sure that i pull out compositions and have them in revision that also you know that gives you something new to uh, explore every single day it does not have to be something boring but yeah i do feel riyas is like a very fun activity if you really know how to you know create different things in it okay and since um, you your students are you know you, you don't have that luxury of your students living with you and you being able to impart how you are living and parting that out that way 
how do you enforce the concept of doing daily riyas or the importance of doing riyas being important to kathak overall when you teaching them um i think till um till 4 months back when i shifted to boston i was i sort of saw my dance company students or my senior students almost four or five times a week sometimes some of them even daily actually uh some some of them who learn from us and in turn with us i we end up seeing each other almost every day i think the first thing that really catches their attention towards riyas is the fact that they see you doing riyas every day uh even if they don't see see you they if you just mention it or they know that these two hours ishani is going to be busy because this is her riyas hour just the fact that your guru is doing something religiously throughout the year at least one one and a half hours a day gives them that basic sense that yeah even we need to do the same somewhere it strikes them that yeah this is something which needs to be done it does not need to be taught the importance of riyas then it does not need to be taught if they see you dancing every single day with gurus on um that is i think the first thing that really themselves get they themselves get attracted to the riyas concept and secondly um i sometimes if you know i have younger girls who need to be put into that habit i just give them small small challenges like i just tell them that okay this month you need to do these five bandishes of chaptal and you need to fit them in this amount of time or you need to revise these two tals but you need to do them in 30 35 minutes so when you give them a 10 days goal it somehow becomes like a daily routine like an exercise for them and then slowly slowly they'll start they'll themselves start feeling interested in it they'll start feeling like oh uh, i just did i just did it for 10 days why not do it for another 20 days uh that's how you get them hooked on just badgering it on their head that you know riyas has to be done um will definitely it might not strike chord with most of them you need to give them uh some tricks and <laughs> gimmicks which will arouse their interest and once they start doing it they understand the beauty and the importance of it and they follow it by themselves then I think uh, if if I may take the privilege of doing so I would like to ask you a question. Oh let's go for it yeah. Great. Uh thank you for that. <laughs> My question to you would be um as as a dancer as somebody who's exploring Kathak now um how much from your point of view or from whatever you can see around how much do you think the theory and the practical kathak knowledge of kathak on either sides of this the theor- the theoretical part and the practical part how much of this uh, is coherent to you at this stage um, of your training so i would say that at this point um as i talk to more and more kathakers and i they they sometimes throw terms i don't know and i have realized that there certain things i should know at this point even if i'm a year in and there are gaps in my knowledge in t- when it comes to theory mm-hmm. so i there's a i do need to cover those gaps as well so that the theory part i think is important 
for me right now i'd say honestly it's important more to have conversations with kathakars i i currently don't see the benefit of that translating to my practice but uh, i'm sure it'll show up later on does that answer your question right 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 yeah it it sort of does yeah. um and just to follow up a little bit on that um okay. do you do you think um that an equal weightage needs to be given on the theory or understanding the literary part of kathak as much as the practical part part of kathak is concerned like do you need to understand would you be interested or does it make sense to you to understand the history uh, of the gharanas of how the art form came into picture what is the syntax and grammar of kathak as written down by our gurus years and years back uh do you think for you personally of this from this generation do you think that would equal weightage needs to be given to that or would you rather first just enjoy the practical part of it and maybe sometime later get into the theory of it how do you pursue it i so i think for me it's uh the part, for me it's uh, you use uh, you do it at per your requirements so if you feel like you need to learn a little bit more or you're behind you'll be compelled to learn it and now and in terms of the future in terms of how much weight is you want to give to the theory for me i think it comes down to where you want to take this because i've talked spoken to certain academics in kathak like say dr pallavi di or i'm going to be speaking to sara morelli ji who've written extensively about the history of kathak or even how the history has been distorted and they've delved deep into it so for them learning about the theory and history is more important because they're trying to send a certain message and for someone who is into the performance arts more they may not necessarily need to know about the history i mean they may need to know more about the intricacies of say the technical details but the history may not be that much relevant to them so i think it just comes across for me it just comes down to what your goals are in kathak understood understood very interesting thank you for answering that <laughs> awesome ishani those are really good questions actually i had to think about that one <laughs> and i guess that brings me to my final question which is about the future of it so as you as you come here in boston and you establish yourself here or the things you're doing here and what are the future projects and things you are excited about doing that you'd be willing to talk about honestly uh, whatever future projects we had planned till almost march april of 2021 mm-hmm. um none of them could see the light of the day because as you know all of us were hit by covid and right um i don't know when next we'll be able to go on stage and dance in front of an audience of 200 people mm-hmm. um but i definitely have some collaborations with some digital companies um who want to you know take um this art form to a wider audience um who who are willing to market my work or who are willing to market my courses under my conditions so that is one venture i'm really looking forward to i might not be able to disclose much information but i do have one or two projects in the line where i will be starting some very interesting very unique courses um in the coming two months for dancers who are already trained for two months and it's a project like we've never done before where we uh would like to train students virtually 
uh, with a very interesting approach. Um, I do have some other, um, you know, video productions which are happening, which are lined up. Some of them are in India with my students. Some of them are here in Boston, which are still in planning. Uh, but sad to say anything, uh, the shows, the amazing productions that we had going on uh, planned till almost March, April of 2021, they are still on the bench currently. Totally understand. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, I'm hoping that you get to perform on stage sooner than later, whenever this whole thing clears up. Would love to see that. And yeah, on that note, that's the end of this episode. Thanks a lot for coming, Shanji. Learned a lot from you. I'm glad. I'm glad you started the series and I'm glad um, so early into the field you have such an insight into this art form and you're so eager to hear so many different perspectives and not just keep them to yourself, but to ask the right questions and have the right answers put in front of the world, um, in front of this entire fraternity. Kudos to you and congratulations for doing that.